My face currently feels like I've been run through by Tom Stewart. Puts it to the top of the square. Oh, beautiful little fist in there by Dale. Crucial centimetre moments. He definitely has a bit of the, uh, the Belcho spirit. <laughs> um, as I, I have a bit of the Belcho spirit. <laughs> Uh, hello everyone and welcome to the Back Pocket Podcast, the only podcast to ever get an official apology from the Sunday Footy Show. Uh, my name is Alistair, joined as always by Jack. How you doing? Yeah, I, I'm good. Um, I didn't get it. I, you got it, obviously, not me. Oh, you didn't get uh, an yeah, apology? No, they... ah. You'll get yeah. it in writing, not on oh, air. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. It's like... <laughs> Caro doesn't apologise on like air, old, only old in writing. tax return. Um, <laughs> that was a baffling, weirdly weird news story to run, wasn't it? Uh Anyway, how dare those players want a, to spend some a, time in Sydney with yeah, their wives? <laughs> what, how dare they spend? You know, they've got a bit of a break this week. How do they stay a bit longer and have a time time away with their family? Honestly, it's disgusting. Yeah, who lets them work less than a seven day work week? <laughs> uh, uh, there are people who are like that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, all right. Well, easy. We'll jump into the votes. Oh, uh, I should uh, probably open my notes. I. Have an unluckiest mention I'm going to go uh, back to later. Okay. Um, but for now, um, I will go with my one vote, mm. uh, which was to Tom Stewart. Fair enough. Uh, I th- didn't have him in at the start, and then like as the week went on, I could justify it less and less. 31 disposals, 12 of them were intercepts, 9 contested, 9 marks, 6 intercepts. Marks, uh, seven rebound 50s and six inside 50s, five score involvements when Geelong could barely score. I thought he was pretty good. The main two things for me were that he had 11 pressure acts and 783 metres gained. Uh, he was, especially in the first half, almost a standalone figure uh, for Geelong. So that's worth a vote for me at least. Yeah, and I kind of went a little similar with my one vote because of how Maybe not stats-wise, but influential they were. Lots of pressure acts. Isaac Quainor gets my one. Yep, he was in my special yep. this week. So Tom Shute and him, I kind of swapped for us. Uh, yep. 19 disposals, 3 marks, 11 intercepts. I think I think I'm making this up. Might be real. I didn't write it down. I think it was 17 pressure acts I read. Yep, um, I believe it. Only one one percenter, I it's in the name. I remember a distinct point during that game when I was walking to the toilet and I just said, Shitty's good. And it just wasn't, I don't know what it was. I like got up to really walk away. Good. I was like, Shitty's good. And I think overall in the league, he's really underrated as a defender. Yeah, well, I, I, you said that the other day when the, it's very rare that we agree with someone mm. on the TV when they refer to a player as underrated mm. because they refer to highly rated players as underrated. Like I saw Ballard referred to as underrated recently. I was like, only if you're living under a rock in Victoria. Yeah. Um, I think he yeah. was underrated last year. Yeah, I think so. But I think he's he was, getting appropriately he was 22 rated. 22 last year. Um, but yeah, so. Quainor is still underrated, but I think it's because that Collingwood team is so good, especially that mm. back line. You, you get, he gets overlooked with Howe and Maynard and obviously Moore. Dacos is obviously running off that mm. back flank as well. There's a lot of lot going on down there yeah. that's taking it away from him, but he's so consistent. Um, I remember he's a name I've always remembered because in his draft year I was watching the stats and he's the only person still to this date to have a perfect goal-kicking score. Really? He kicked six out of six from all the different We've angles. We've talked about this before, I think. Um, which is funny for a rebounding defender who yeah. barely crosses the halfway mark, but... Uh, yeah, my two this week, um, and this just these th- these two and my unlucky mention really flew around mm. um, in these three spots. Um, but my two this week was to Nick Murray. Um, he kept Danaher goalless until the final term when the game was over, and that's with Brisbane having sixty six inside fifties to forty seven. Uh, he had eight spoils, won six out of six contested defensive one on ones, four rebounds, four intercepts. Uh, but yeah, more just spoils, one on ones, and keeping Danaher goalless in a 
Brisbane just keep getting it in there, that's a really, really good effort. Um, yeah, I, so think yeah I, might, I think I might have a blind spot on that game this week because uh, I didn't write down anyone <laughs> that game, so maybe that's <laughs> well, bad for me. It was the only player, I, even in my special mentions, that I had from that game was Murray, um, but he was good, really good. Well, Nick Murray's good. We've talked about him previously. Yeah. Uh, my two, and this one went from not a vote to one vote to two votes to um, just leaving it there. Uh, Jacob Wiedering gets my two. In my special um, mentions. Was very, very good. Really good in a loss. Definitely his best game of the year. I was laughing when they said he needs to lift it three quarter time. Yeah, weird that it coincides with the one game this year. He hasn't played with Lewis Young, so I wonder if that's maybe freeing up his role into what Lewis Young was doing. He's yeah, playing much better. We did kind of comment that Lewis Young stole a bit of his role yeah. at the start of the year. Um, eight, 18 disposals, 10 marks, 9 intercepts, 6-1 percenters. He was really good. Um, and obviously you get a bit of a discount because Buddy's getting old, but he's always played really well on yeah, Buddy. And has, again, yeah. it, it, He's one him. of the few players that I think he has averages two or less against. So, yeah, um, yeah well done, Weedering. Uh my three was to the aforementioned Charlie Ballard. Um, <laughs> I forgot to remove some from my special mentions. I've got them in special mentions and a vote. <laughs> and votes. Um, he only had 14 touches, but they went at 93%. But of yep. those 14, 11 of them were intercepts and half of them were contested, yep. which is nuts. He had five marks, all of which were intercepts, uh, three contested marks, eight spoils, six pressure acts. And I think it was cool to see... Um, that he can also play a dour, miserly performance as well as a big intercept game. Yeah. Um, he got three coaches votes as well, uh, which I think Deserved. showed how much an influence he had. But From um, the little I saw of that game, and it was not too much, uh, I think he marked it three times. So yeah. <laughs> he was he was there when I was watching. Um, I've got him in my special mentions. Didn't yep. get a vote from me this week. But uh, you know what we say about Charlie Ballard, super underrated player. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my three goes to Connor Iden. Uh, he was my Giants. unluckiest yeah, I mention. I knew it was. I knew it was because um, uh, I floated him between mentions and votes. Yeah. Um, he was so good. Stats don't do no, justice. absolutely not. I wrote that down. He was huge when the game was on the line, both yep. early and late. Like his first yep. and last quarters were enormous. He was the only one firing in that back line when they were under siege in yep. that last quarter. Like Buckley um, and... Uh, Keith had good games in that middle patch when it was kind yep. of dead, but Iden was on fire when it was needed. Yeah. Uh, super important, 11 one percenters, nine intercepts, the usual. Disposal efficiency, a little bit down. Um, that's probably the lowest disposal efficiency I've given votes for this year. But. Yeah, but if you're kicking to one-on-ones all the time, um, which is what that game was yeah, a lot of. it was very contested. Um, but, yeah, he, he was really good. He, yeah, I don't know what more I can say about mm. the player I felt really bad about not giving a vote. That's what I had to write down an unluckiest mention because I think it's the best game I've not given a vote to. Mm. So... Uh, my well, my unluckiest mention was Ballard. I already said he was in my special yeah, mentions, yeah. but that was like, I felt bad. <laughs> my four this week was to Nick Blakey. Same. Uh, lizard. <laughs> uh, I, the I've never seen two better, like four and fives in a week. Yeah, I, feel well, like they I know what the five is, so we'll talk um, about it in a minute. <laughs> but yeah, Nick, Nick Blakey was comfortably best on ground for mine. I thought Warner got run down too many times and sprayed it a few too many times to get the same amount of coaches votes as him. I don't think him. I've seen a man get called holding the ball that much. Yeah, and a few times where he wasn't, where he maybe yeah. could have been. Um, yeah, Blakey had 26 touches, 10 of those were intercepts, 12 marks, three contested, seven of those were intercepts, nine rebound 50s. 626. I've got that game. down. And throw in four spoils and three pressure acts just to put the defensive side of the game on as well. Really good. Um, Tore him apart. His speed he, he, going he from D50 completely. to forward 50. Um, especially would, in that last quarter. Like I would he, argue Heaney had an impact, but... He'd already had... A good game, but then in the last quarter when they ran away with it, it was all him. Like feels really bad giving him four votes. Yeah, I, I bet. <laughs> um, 
I had to not talk about him all weekend. <laughs> but yeah, brilliant, uh, Nick Blakey. What a freak. Oh, I meant bad as in he's not got five. Oh, yeah. No, I get that too. Um, I, I had him as five immediately. I wrote it down. And then yep. as the weekend transpired and we gave 5 to James Sicily yep. for possibly the best game I've ever seen a defender play. Uh, 43 at 91%. Most, 91%. That's the that's the kicker, right? 22 of 43 were intercepts. The most important part is they won, but 91%, yeah. 22 intercepts. 16 marks. Eight of those were intercepts. <laughs> six rebound 50, 658 metres gained, 11 score involvements and six score launches, which is a, a nuts number. It's... And then throw in three spoils, won all three of his one-on-ones and five defensive half-pressure acts. Wow. You could not play a more complete game as a defender, there was a really funny moment where he had one goal kicked on him and the radio commentary was like, oh, and that's the two sides of James Sicily. You know, when he's trying to play loose like that, you can get goals out the back. And it's like, or even at half time when they called that, I was like, they are dominating because of Sicily. Like he is, anyway. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's like he saw more last week and went, no, no. Yeah, I can one-up that. I can one-up that. Um, <laughs> like, he was like, yeah, I'm not going to intercept everything, but I am just going to be the playmaker yeah. for the entire ground. He went, the I'll, I'll do that. But better. Um, and and the the little hole we kind of predicted St Kilda falling into mm. is coming. Um, yeah. Teams have just gone, well, if you kick it over the top, what do they do? And nothing is the answer. You either pick them off through the middle if you've got the foot skills, or in the case of Hawthorne, you've got speed. Just go through them. Mm. Um, Their speed has dropped off too, significantly. Yeah, St Kilda's for sure. Um, and I think that's It has been good to see King part back, Part of though. the senior players coming back hasn't helped, and we talked about that balance too. Freer saw, saw it last year, getting players back from injury kind of hurt them because they didn't have that flash and excitement they were playing with and St Kilda's seeing the same but hopefully they can right the ship because it'd be, really, it'd be a real shame to see St Kilda do the exact same thing this year as last year for Saints fans who are the definition of long-suffering um, but it's Ross Lyon isn't it Mob mm. footy I think a lot of people talked about it when he got hired and I th- yeah and it was really interesting because he was there were still traits of his brand when you were watching them play and win yeah but they looked fun and exciting at the same time they were fast um, was the thing they weren't never fast before and now they're not again yeah um, but yeah, Hawthorne, uh, we, we talked about it earlier, they're, they're the most exciting of that bottom three. And oh, now they might not even, not even close. Now they might not even finish bottom three. Like they are a threat GWS to... GWS winning helps them. It does help them, but they're a threat to teams just above them, mm. um, especially if they keep up. With Mitchell back and firing. How contagious they are. Um, yeah, good on. So uh, my special mentions, i got a few this week. Uh, Who did not mention? I've got Liam Jones, yep. Robbie Fox again. Yep. I already talked about Jack Buckley. Mason Redmond was fantastic. Uh, he's in my um, special mentions. And the last one I had was Aaliyah. Aaliyah was in mine. And Sam Collins is the only one that mm. we haven't mentioned. You know yet. we love Sam Collins. Um, it's been, it sucks. We can't vote for him this year because Ballard's been doing Ballard's better. Been the dominant, he's kind of handed the role over and he's just playing a real like general role back mm. there, which is I think almost more important for the team yeah. that he's able to not have to focus everything he has on you know stopping the team getting inside 50. And he's able to kind of lead. He's been uh, a little bit more reboundy this year. Uh, Collins. So. He has, yeah. Reboundy? Reboundy. Whatever. <laughs> the first thing I wrote down to talk about today was that mm-hmm. I, I never don't find it funny when you see a headline. I saw it today and it was... Um, I never don't find it funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which was Geelong remaining optimistic despite 5-6 records. It's like, what are they going to say? Are you going to interview the club? Be like, do you still think... Uh, yeah. They're going to be like, no, we've actually written the season off. Um, we've only lost one more than we've won, but we just don't think we can do it. We're just um, <laughs> rebuilding and resetting for next year. And like the same goes for West Coast when they're like, you know... Is the belief still there? What, are they going to say no? Like, imagine nah, how panned... we've packed it in. Yeah, imagine how panned they would get. They're like, actually, the boys just don't care anymore. Um, <laughs> we've really just lost... Can you imagine the, the interview? <laughs> <laughs> we've really just lost the fire. Oh, I, it's, it's just so dumb. It's like I, I have a feeling the interview would kind of just stop. It's like, like when I saw Dangerfield get asked at halftime. 
Do you have trouble watching? They ask every player that. It's like, yeah, of course they want to play. They're, they're professional sports people. Like, they'd rather be playing. Mm. Nothing, will, nothing will be better than Luke Jackson. Oh, yeah. What do no. you think of Big Darcy going down? Oh, I was a bit like, oh, no, but um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> king. I mean, he was king. like, yeah. He was really good. It was almost the difference. Um, I can't even get his, my voice deep fi- enough. <laughs> his finding form has seriously coincided with Freo's finding form. Yeah. Um, and I think it's understandable that a big man takes a while to get cohesion with a new team. Like, that's always going to be the way, but uh, he's looking really good, and so are they. I think they can really build around those three forwards uh, over time. Yes. Uh, I, I miss was, was I, I thought the best game he'd played was against Geelong, and I am now stepping it up to the game on the weekend. He's had uh, a few good ones in a row. He has, yeah. So and he's got serious talent. We knew that. Um, Sturt, if he could stay fit, is also another promising one on their list. Uh, so... Let's hope they can do it because I, you know, I don't mind Frio. Uh, mm. and for now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see how we go. But um, yeah, it's good. So that's a lot of arms for me in a row. Too many arms. Too many arms. What All was right. your What was your first I, major note? I only have one big note, and that's oh, me yeah. talking about what's going wrong with Carlton. Oh yeah. All right. I can give you this. You're gonna have to sit with me and just let me yeah, go yeah, through go it. For so it. I have. <laughs> I'm glad you got the good mic this week. I have. Listed out three periods for Carlton. Mm. Round 1 to 11, 2022. Mm-hmm. Round 13 to 23, 2022. Mm-hmm. And the first 11 rounds of this season. Yeah. Uh, the main issue is midfield goals. Yeah. But that's I don't think it's just that, oh, the midfield aren't kicking goals. So starting out specifically round 11, 2022, is the loss to Collingwood where Wiedering did his uh, AC joint. Yes, and I was missing for six weeks. Point. So... Mid-season draft, Sam Durden gets picked up, mm-hmm. plays his first game, does his knee. Uh, and then McGovern, <laughs> Williams, Marchbank, Marchbank also in. all yeah. in and out during that period. Yeah. Very unsettled defensively. Mm-hmm. But the team switched from a faster contested style mm-hmm. to a much more defensive style. And I feel to like... To protect the back line. Potentially, that switch happened too early. Because 2022 Voss spoke a lot about developing the attack, then adding layers. Yep. And I wonder if that came too early and has kind of fudged things a little bit. Yeah. So backing it up statistically, uh, in the first 11 rounds of 2022, the Carlton midfield kicked 41 goals between them at an average of 3.7 per game. Yep. For the back half of the year, they kicked 19 at an average of 1.7. And for the first 11 rounds of this year, they've kicked 12 collectively for an average of 1.09. Yeah. Uh, matching up with the win-loss record of 8-3 to three for the first period, 4-7 mm-hmm. to seven for the second, 4-6 to six with a draw in the third. Yeah. So the form since that Collingwood game has been consistent. Yeah. Not great, obviously. Um, Cripps is the biggest example of that. He kicked 15 goals in the first 11 rounds. Last year, two votes during that time as well. Five in the next eleven, one in the next eleven. Yeah, uh, I think Zach Fish is the other one whose goals have dropped, and yes. he's not even They've in dropped, the team. Dropped hugely. Um, uh, it, probably part of why he's not in the team. <laughs> probably. The other interesting thing is the score accuracy. Um, obviously, there's a lot going Number on. One with behind in the comp this year, Mackay and Kerno right now peppering the goals. I like that Cameron and Kerno are at the front of the list despite like seven straight oh, weeks. Of just imagine how everything. far ahead they could be. Um, but it went from 55% accuracy during those first 11 rounds 
which coincided with Carlton kicking 100 plus six times, mm-hmm. of which they've only done three times since. And one of those is an aberration because it was that West Coast game. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, uh, defensively, they were better when they were playing faster. Zero times in the three, like in the 11 games where they lost three times, did they have 100 kicks kicked against them? It's happened four times since. Crazy. Uh, despite the more dour game style. Uh, so I don't think it's working, but I don't think it's... I don't want to say it's all game plan because I feel like there's not enough buy-in, Yeah, just if that makes sense. Uh, Weedering well, actually had to come out. It's harder to buy into a less exciting game yeah. plan, though, isn't it? Like, if last year when you're being told to attack and you're a midfielder, especially a young midfielder like a Fisher or a Chera or a Walsh, mm. you're going to relish the ability to just go for it, like yeah. gun for it. That's why Adelaide have been so good this year, right? 100%. Um, and I think I agree with that. Like when, when you don't have that game style, it's harder to have the commitment and conviction. Hawthorne, again, a great example. Even when they were getting belted, watching their real young players just try and gun it. They were the number one scoring team from Santa Corridor this year. So I think they still are. Um, so I do get yeah, yeah I, I get that. And it's not that an overly defensive game style can't work. We know that obviously it's trending faster these days. But if you look at obviously St Kilda of old, even Geelong during like prelim era, not grand final era, all the players had the buy-in and the defensive system worked. Tweaks needed to be made, but I have a feeling that there's just... It's it's not far off clicking, Yeah. but something needs to change over this buy period like it did in that first buy period to switch it a little bit back more in the other direction. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, waste of a season. Mm. Yeah, and the talent, talent is there in that group now. Like, it is the right group. I think they were buying into the plan originally. And I think they got heavily destabilised last year. I think it doesn't help having such a loud and passionate supporter base when no. you get shaken up because no matter how much you try and ignore media noise, you can't do it completely in Melbourne. Like if you're no. a Vic team, Perth as well, Adelaide as well. Uh, in big footy cities, you can't avoid that noise when you're struggling. Um, <laughs> big footy cities. <laughs> it's the old internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, it was hosted on uh, GeoCities instead of... Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it is interesting and obviously... Pressure piles, right? Obviously, we talked about the Carolyn Wilson mm-hmm. story a little earlier. They'll just find the smallest bit of crap and pile yes. it on oh, to make yeah. it even worse. Uh, I'm really, really hopeful. They um, we saw it last year with West Coast, like mm. when that when the the COVID seven happened, and it was like that was Broadie's engagement party. Like <laughs> it wasn't a rich, it wasn't a West Coast problem, and like only two of the Richmond players got COVID. So like it was, it was just bad luck. Bad luck. Um, but you get piled on for bad luck when you're struggling. I'm hoping it gels them a little. Mm. Like everyone's taking the piss yeah, now. You fortify the group. Yeah. Um, uh, but we'll see. Yeah. Hopefully Dow gets a game. That's um, all that matters. I hope so. He deserves one. Six outs and Dow doesn't come in. Um, before I go to some breaking news, which unlike last week on the couch, it wasn't your boss has been sacked or has quit. Sorry. Um, I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, I've got one more thing I wrote down, which is that Koshi... Oh. Stepped down from Sunrise. Yeah. Not interesting. What is interesting is why he stepped down from Sunrise. Stating that he's not woke and you can't pretend to be woke if you're not. Spending three and a half hours a day every day trying to be something you're not is hard. And now I want to go into the fact that one of the things I will always give Port credit for is their inclusivity, whether it be the fact that they've killed Doug Nichols around this this year, um, Yarra Palsy changed the club song, uh, and they did a really good job with the stories on the jumper, and ignoring the fact that most empty-headed rich people like Koshi don't know what woke means, 
This is also a team that famously has the transport pride behind the flag, behind the goals, and one of the most prominent queer supporter groups in the AFL. Yeah. Surely that means he steps down from his woke football club then too, right? Like, because if this is a man who is anti-woke, which is probably just him trying to get a job on Fox, I'm almost guaranteeing that, or a column in The Australian, (laughs) not woke basically means I'm racist and transphobic, like modern translation. How do you justify being the head of a football club, especially a football club that is as progressive as Port, and step down from your role on TV using that as your reason? Oh, man, I, I, I was buying into the Koshy and McGowan conspiracy <laughs> theories, oh. but this sounds real. Yeah, this one, this one is real. <laughs> um, I mean, in fairness, there's been ads on Twitter saying Koshy's dead for like two <laughs> months, like widely <laughs> spread ones since the advertising gone whack. So um, maybe it's May- a cover-up. <laughs> maybe it's been a fake Koshy on TV for a few weeks because he died. Maybe he is woke. Just He's woke. Woke from the grave. Yeah. <laughs> uh, breaking news, though, is that the... Investigation yeah. into the Hawthorne Football Club. Oh, is this like as we're talking? As we're talking has been terminated. Mm. It hasn't been resolved, despite Fagan saying he feels vindicated. It's been terminated. And when I say terminated, I mean that the AFL made a statement saying that they uh, don't rule out making charges in the future, which means that it's it's ongoing, right? Like. This hasn't helped anything. That means it's still going to be talked about. It wasn't resolved. There was no one was found not guilty. It's just been terminated. It's just been dropped. Oh, well, the, you know, the media are going to run with it's over. Yes. So. Um, and, and that's what the AFL has decided to do. But, like, you can't just terminate it. Charges level against to, Hawthorne. Surely you have to actually finish it, right? No. Gil wants out. Yeah, Gil wants to walk. Absolutely he does. Um, but I just, I just feel like it's a really piss poor way to manage it, especially from such a prominent <laughs> uh, mm. taxpayer funded basically organization. Uh, you just you leave it hanging for no reason. Like they just terminated because it was too hard. I think it was because they realized what damage it would do to the game. Yeah, well and also the fact that because they did a independent review that was not independent because they picked the people who chaired it themselves, mm. that the families didn't want to take a part of it, that there was never really going to be an actual resolution because they did it wrong. I'm just imagining a world where Brisbane in the form they're in, even though they lost, mm. lose their coach. Hawthorne, uh, not Hawthorne, North Melbourne lose their coach when they're already mm. in dire straits. Hawthorne probably get picks taken off them when mm. they need them. Uh, I think the AFL would be yeah. in trouble. I also think the reason they've terminated it rather than said that the findings are that there were no findings is to cover their own ass in case in the future yeah. there are findings and the AFL can say... Well, we never, we never resolved it. No. We just had to terminate it because of X, Y, Z. Well, actually. Um, and Dylan would be like, well, I wasn't in charge at the time. I was just in the room next door getting ready to take over. <laughs> um, but, yeah, terminated, I guess. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. When's it going to end? It has. There we go. Uh, yeah. Nah. But Maybe. not really. Um, <laughs> and Tlaco still stepped away from the game and Hawthorne's CEO has still resigned. So. What a mess. The AFL makes of everything. And it's the same with the Essendon drug scandal, right? Like, it only got as bad as it did with the because sanctions there was a third party. leveled against players and coaches because they didn't resolve it themselves. They tried to sweep it under the rug. and they I, just don't, went, oh, I don't know if hard. there is a third party that can step in here. No, right? there's not. There's, Fair it's, work was the one. But. Yeah, and then they, they can't really because it needs to be staple proof, mm. which without an investigation going ahead, which probably won't now because it's too much drama. Hawthorne's not going to bother reopening it now. Why would they bother? Because it's... Gil's getting the old document shredder ready. It's already caused them too much trouble anyway. <laughs> so, what a mess that has made. Yeah. It's spent half the season 
yeah. dominating the news. And it was, it was like I, I said a few weeks ago, innocent or not, um, Clarkson having to step away from the game because of it is because the AFL made a mess. Whether he, like, at, at the, the state kangaroos have been left in is because the AFL absolutely shockingly mishandled this. I'd agree um, with that. It's, it's Everyone went through appropriate channels to get it done. Like, the journalist who posted it checked the sources, rechecked the sources before publishing it, tried to contact Fagan and Clarkson. They didn't respond, which they had every right to not respond. Yeah. Um, whoever, I guess, leaked it from Hawthorne could be whoever's the most in trouble. Well, but like, It was talked, so. a, a, an investigation internally done because they were concerned about reports from within the club. They did the right thing. Um, so, like, everyone except for the AFL, <laughs> like, followed due process with this, and it's turned into a mess. It's going to no be... No one has... It's a good result for no one. <laughs> it's going to be interesting at the end of this end, end, like, if a charge mm. ever gets made, mm. Hawthorne are the only one who's going to suffer, and they're the only yeah, ones that did the right for thing. for sure. And that's the problem, isn't it? Like, it was their president who had to retire because of mm. how much press it put on the club who called for the review because it was done before he was... Not the president, CEO, because it was done before he yeah. was at the club. Um, Mitchell supported it and it went ahead and they got the findings back. Um, they did the right thing to make sure, and lots of clubs do these internal reviews. We saw Collingwood did one, mm. obviously, and they made huge changes on the back of it and theirs worked out really well for them. They are obviously doing much better at a football club mm-hmm. regarding all these kinds of issues now than they were before. But because of the way the AFL mishandled this after the, that article got posted, it's been a mess. So I hope, and look, Hawthorne are doing all right by the looks of things, but... Um, we know that off-field drama can take a bit longer to leach into the playing group. Um, Hawthorne, it sucked. So St Kilda, wrong one. North, it sucked for, obviously, <laughs> um, losing their prize coach halfway through the year because of the stress it took on him. Uh, and Brisbane are still cruising, thankfully, for them. Um, obviously lost to Adelaide on the weekend in Adelaide, but I think everyone this year has lost to Adelaide in Adelaide. So it's not a, not a huge shock. Uh, yeah, no, they're insane at home right now. They're very, uh, very good. Right? That's <laughs> my ground. Um, oh, yeah, we didn't even bring up um, the fact that GWS have won three in a row at GMHBA Stadium. There's only one of those that you can consider like a, a blip because that was in that weird week where COVID lockdowns had been announced before and during games. Um, so, like, you could maybe argue that one was a weird situation where all the players knew they were about to take yeah. seven weeks off. But the one before that, Geelong were in hot form and GWS, I think, didn't even make the eight. And then this one, they they well, they should have won that game by more again. It's the same as the Freo game. Um, I think despite the scores being kicked against them, Geelong's back line is holding up remarkably well. Uh, it's their midfield that's getting crushed yeah. completely all the time. So like I think GWS should have arguably won that game by more again. Uh, but three in a row and no other team has won more than one in a row there for years is nuts. That's an incredible record. I wonder if there's any similarities between Giant Stadium and... Yeah, you have to wonder because I, I haven't looked into don't have it. a terrible record at Giant Stadium, and some mm. teams do. So, who knows? But good on them. Um, that's a pretty big win. Not the biggest win in Kingsley's career, as we stated the other day. It is um, <laughs> bigger than even, any grand final. Yeah, even that. Um, but you know, a huge scalp for him as coach. They've they've had a couple of close calls and now a good win against some good sides. So, hopefully, they are building towards something. I, I like what they've got going on. I think that they're another team experiencing what. Collingwood experienced um, last year where you have key position players go down and you learn that your backup key position players are really good. Like Jack mm. Buckley's been a revelation. He's not a backup. Um, he was just third. Yeah, and, and Iden stepping into a more important role has been carrying that super well. Whitfield seems to be finding form again with Kelly out, that kind of thing. So good on GWS. I, I hope they can 
get some continuation of form because they really looked like the outlier of the teams that weren't bottom three. And their last, even four or five weeks, considering some of the closer margins they've managed to get into games with, their last patch has been really good. Do some research. As far as width goes, which is the thing with mm. Cadenia Park, yep. obviously it's longer, it's wider. Giant Stadium's only six metres off lengthwise. Yep. Uh, and it is the second closest width-wise Interesting. outside of Adelaide Oval. So Interesting. Okay, yeah, that, that, that would actually, again, considering how well Geelong have played in Adelaide um, over recent years, that would also make sense. So potentially part of the reason why they... Which makes no sense why West Coast plays so well in Adelaide. Yeah. <laughs> Because Perth Stadium is pretty much MCG sized. Mm. I think that was the point when they built it. Round. Um, yeah. <laughs> it feels round when you're there. It does. It really does. It really feels round. Um, yeah, well, that's all the news I've got this week. I got um, no news. I don't even have any funnies, man. Yeah, I. I it's been a bit of a down week for in. us. <laughs> um, yeah, we were pretty bummed about football. We gave up. Uh, <laughs> I, I've, I've perked up a little in the last few days, but uh, it's interesting. I, I think there's a lot of teams that. Um, Injuries are affecting their form that we're going to see a big change of after the buy. Like there's, a, there's a fair few teams, I think, in that middle cluster that are going to get some quality players back mm. into their side that will make a huge difference. Not Carlton. Uh, <laughs> compare that to Adelaide, who've just been cruising all year, which is probably yeah. a big indicator of their form. Brisbane mm. as well. Um, those two teams have just been blessed so far this year with injuries. So, yeah, I credit, credit to teams that can keep their players fit. It always helps. Um, Shout out to Port's midfield. Part of why Geelong was so dominant last year was that mm. almost all year they had pretty 20 of their best 23 available um and yeah port's another great example when you can keep those players on the park if you're only missing one or two of your best players every week you're going to be in a better spot yeah collingwood after 2018 was remarkable for them because their injury list was pretty much as long as west coast is this year i don't know how they did that but um the last couple of years they've been able to keep players on the park far better than they were before yep and it's just it has a massive impact when you're playing continuity means a lot port last year another good example yeah so yeah, I, I think the we're heading into the buy rounds, and I'm I thought I'd be more sure of where the ladder was at at this point. No idea. I, I still think that middle patch is very close. The mid, the, I feel like so many teams lost this weekend that had a real chance to stake their claim. Like if the Bulldogs had beaten Gold Coast, if Melbourne had beaten Frio, they really cemented them. So obviously, I mentioned last week. I think Melbourne could lose all of their next three because they they're just not matching up well against fast teams and. Um, it's a good thing they're playing cards. Yeah, well, but Freo didn't look fast four weeks ago either. So, uh, um, if like if they drop, even like if they drop just Collingwood, they're they're not looking great in terms of teams they've beaten versus teams they've lost to. I think there's still a lot to like about Melbourne. Oh, um, and we know that they're still the same team minus Jackson that won the flag. Um, I th- they've got the best points for in the league. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, them, them and Geelong, I think, are the two. Because John had their hundred odd point wins in a row. Mm, mm, that's true. Um, the only team I see displacing them from the top four at the moment is the Bulldogs potentially. Yeah, Melbourne over John by nine points. Yeah, there you go. Um, but I think if Melbourne, they'll they'll probably beat Carlton this week, or they should be expected you, you'd to. You expect them to. Um, but how my tipping's going this year? <laughs> Did you get one last week too? Like, no, I ended up getting the last like four in a row. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So if they get that and they can manage to squeak out a win, squeak, squeak, <laughs> make a win again, squeak, squeak out a win like it's a fart. <laughs> yeah, squeak out a win, um, then they're locked. And I, Mel- I would Melbourne, have that top Melbourne four. Melbourne winning on Queen's birthday would be sneaking. They have not even when they were dominating and Collingwood were suffering. Collingwood are winning Queen's birthday games. That's been a real one sided fixture. Um, King's birthday this year. It really looks like looking at the ladder here. 
St Kilda and Essendon could drop it, out Fremantle in. It is really Geelong's funny. Geelong's run is hard. Uh, mentioning that points four, the outlier in the top five points four is so Geelong. It's mm. Melbourne, Geelong, Brisbane, Collingwood, Port four, ten, three, one, two. Yeah. Uh, so strange, but yeah, we're it's in for an interesting year. It was the same last year. Um, there was a lot more change last year than in a, in a standard season. I think that the think bottom... about the first half of last year, St Kilda the, and Carlton were so entrenched in that eight and, and then they were, were gone. around mid-table. Geelong went into the bye, I think, 5-5 five, five, and then mm. didn't lose another game for the year. Uh, I actually saw someone laughing about that. They were like, you know, after their great season... Matthew Lloyd was like, after their great season last year, you know, Geelong are 5-5. Five and five. And it's like, and how many... How did they go last year after being 5-5? Five and five, Louis? Yeah, but like, then they lost again. Yeah. <laughs> the dream's um, dead. Yeah, it ruined it. But I was just like, it's, it's, it was like Matthew Lloyd just did no research and he was like, premiership team around the middle of the table. It's like, yeah, that happens. But Sydney's the one, I think. Their, their win on the weekend was super important, but they still didn't play, I think, a convincing enough game to show anyone that they're back. Buddy's a huge concern because their, their goals, Sands Buddy, seem to struggle. It and all depends. And their key defensive stocks just keep getting re-injured. We, um, know, we know how hit and miss Heaney is. When they threw him in the middle, he, he was, was really good. Yeah. But... Will that happen every week? Some weeks he's capable of kicking five. Sometimes he won't get a touch. Papley's in the same kind of boat. Mm. His best is electric and will win games, but his worst is non-existent. Um, And I've got a fair few players like that. I think a lot of them are due to being young players. Like when you see a Brayden Campbell go from hit and miss, it's it's, he's despite being in the same stage of his development as Goulden and Warner, they're freaks. Yeah. Uh, And you understand it from players like him, but um, it really is the senior players we need to see more of. Lloyd and Rampy uh, when Rampy's playing. Lloyd did play well, a um, bit of a turnover merchant, but his intercept game was incredible. He was in the right spot so often to stop Carlton from getting effective inside 50s, which partially is, I would say, Carlton's midfield's fault and their forward's fault for not leading. But <laughs> Don't get tricked, fantasy fans. He's not back. He's not back. He does it a couple of times a year. It's been the last few years. Um, that, I, I was wondering if you are going to lead into that with Carlton's midfield goals. I think a big part of it is that with the forwards not leading, there's not as much Space. ground ball that's coming back out to around the 50 mark. Like when a forward leads out and it gets spoiled, it generally comes to a more like central, like 45 to 50 out mm. position. Whereas now they're all dropping right in the, in the mids and it's just locking down. I, I've got more Carlton um, stuff. Oh, if I'm you sure want you me do. To. I can do no. part two. I didn't even get into <laughs> we'll, the forward we'll and defensive it. setup. We'll save, we'll save it for next week. I think, um, <laughs> fucking make an audio book. <laughs> thank you for joining us on the back pocket. Uh, we will see you uh, next week. I think we'll do a different, I'll, We'll figure it out during the week, but we'll do a different vote structure in the buyers because it's going to be hard, especially with them not being evenly split this year, um, to do votes. So we might just do votes at the end of the buy rounds instead of during. Explain that to me off podcast because I have no idea what you just said. Yeah, I will. All right. Uh, find us <laughs> Explain at it the, like back, I'm five. <laughs> the Back Pocket AU on all socials. We will see you next week. Bye.